a plant in your house that is just about to die and then you give it water. <laughs> I've got plants like that in my house. I love it. You know, you're just about to die because I've not given it any water for weeks on end and then I give it a bit of water. It comes to life like that. Um, but apparently, you can give it water on a regular basis. <laughs> and then it does okay. And I was kind of, as, as, as Simone shared that, I kind of thought to myself, isn't that a picture sometimes of us? We wait until we're just about giving up, just about to die spiritually, and then we go for a bit of bless me up somewhere, or we decide we're going to read our Bibles, or we go to a conference, and then all of a sudden, life is good, and we leave it again. And actually, there's something about that routine. You know, there's a, there's a book written called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Foster, I want to say, one of those, yeah. And, um, but, you know, we don't like the word discipline, but there's something about routine, and we're calling it our way of life. You know, it's how we live our life, and it's life with a capital L, I, F, and E as well. And that happens when you get into the place where you're being fed regularly, not left on the shelf for ages and ages and ages, opening up our Bibles. But I love that, great picture, and, and such a powerful picture there of what Ruth was sharing and fits in so much with what I would like to share as well this morning. And I'm, I don't know how long, I'm, I said I'm going to be brief, but you know what it's like sometimes. God sort of takes, takes something. And, um, and we're going to come to the communion table after this. And as I said before, I took my youngest daughter, Gra- and I might get emotional, I might not, I don't know. But you know what it's like as a parent sometimes when your children go off and do things or they get a little bit bigger. And A, it makes you feel older. <laughs> there are, you know, existential crisis. But B, you, you, your just heart breaks a little bit, doesn't it? Let's be honest, it does a little bit. And me and Ellen were both in tears on the way back in the car. We took, went down to London. She decided London was the place to be. Beautiful part of the world, by the way, if you want to go and visit. <laughs> and... Um, on the hottest day of the year, and then up, up the stairs, because the lift had broken in the flat that they were in. So up the stairs with the bags, and then back down again. Took her off to do a big shop at Aldi, and then out for a meal, and then got home at half past midnight. So if my words don't make sense this morning, because I hadn't planned to speak this morning, but I felt it really on my heart. But, um, you know, Ellen said something to me um, while we're at Faux. If you've never been to the restaurant Faux, oh, that's great. Um, if you like Vietnamese food, it's really nice. And I'm Grace had gone to the toilet, and uh, she said something to me, which is just fantastic. She, she said, what I like about you, Dad, is if your parents are still alive, just put something at the end of that sentence. My, my, my dad's passed away now, but my mum's around. And my mum listens to this. What I like about you, Mum, is that you're always there for me. You always love me, no matter what. No matter how far away I am, you're always there for me. Your prayers, my mum's prayers are amazing. My mum prays for me on a regular basis. How great is that? How many people can say that? How great is that as a parent if you're, if you're there? And, and, um, and I, I sent a text to um, Grace in a little room when she was left her on her own. And I said, I'm so proud of you and we're praying for you every day. And it's kind of like when you've got parents that you know are praying for you, but let's look the other way around. Sometimes as children, we complain and moan about our parents, don't we? I don't about you, mum, of course. But we, <laughs> but we always complain about our parents from time to time. But, and and the, it's funny, Dave was joking there about honouring your parents earlier on. But Ellen said, what I like about you, Dad, is that you do things without expecting anything in return. You'll go the extra mile without, without saying that, right, you've, I've done that for you, now you've got to do that for me. And, and I just thought to myself, A, 
I felt so proud. I mean, it was so great, and it's not always true. But, but that was what she thought about me. Uh, but that is a picture of Jesus. When he came to this cross, he did it without expecting anything from us. He did it for us because he loves us so much. I would do that, and most parents here, probably all parents in this room anyway, you would do anything without expecting anything in return from your children. And that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what the King of Kings has done for us. He has loved us. He would climb not just to the second floor, the third, the fourth, the fifth floor without a lift on the hottest day of the year for you and for me, expecting nothing in return. He would travel further than London for you. Whatever it is that you've done as a parent or your parents have done for you, he would do it a million times more, expecting nothing in return. And, um, but just put that in your, in your notes. It doesn't have to be, you know, if your parents are not with us anymore, maybe it's um, something to say to somebody else. What I like about you is, maybe send that little WhatsApp this week to somebody. What I like about you is, imagine getting that. What I like about you is, and then this, would be, would be so good. Last week, and the last time he spoke as well, Dave Latham talked about the glory of God was present in this place, that, that Sue Sinclair, who was um, coming last week, she talked about the glory of God present in this place. And I'm, um, I'm not going to do a big vision talk this morning, but can I say that as leaders, we got together, um, was it last Saturday? Not yesterday, the, the week ago. We had a, such a great time together, so much on the same page, and then Mark comes along and he starts sharing some of the stuff, same stuff that we've been talking about, that God's been saying to him, God's been saying to us. What I loved about that day together as leaders is how much we love each other as leaders. That's the first thing that strikes me so much. I love Dave, and he loves me, and Andrew, and Dave Smith, and Adrian. We just love each other. Forget everything else. Forget about strategy. Forget about ideas. Forget about growing the biggest church the world has ever known, or the smallest church with the biggest impact, or whatever, you, whatever your criteria is. We just love each other. And I love doing church with these people. And, and you need to know that as leaders, we love each other. And we're very different as well, aren't we, Dave? We're all, we're all different. We can disagree because we love each other. How good is that? We can be honest with each other because we love each other. And, um, and, and God will honor that. God will honor leaders that love each other. Um, and God was really unpacking a lot of things that on the 24th of September at the AGM or thereabouts, um, I'm going to sort of unpacking a little bit but it's not going to, please don't expect a vision talk with every T crossed and I dotted and a plan for the next five years. Because one of the things that I will share you, with you is this, that God says, I will tell you where to put your steps, your, your feet. I will show you the next steps. And it may not be that I will show you until the time that you need to know. But what you need to know is my glory. What you need to know is my glory. And a couple of, well, it might be three Sundays ago now, Andy talked about place, your, place yourself in the place where God can bless you. I don't think I said that very well, but put yourself in the place where God can bless you. And I was thinking about communion, and I was thinking about how heartbreaking it was leaving Grace down in London and my little one down there, and she's not there to protect anymore and all that sort of thing. And God, God's blessed, and she'll be fine. And it needs to happen, and it's a good thing that it's there. But it was a little bit, oh, a bit, a bit heartbreaking. And I was thinking about Jesus. Um, so, and, and the moment of crucifixion. So let's turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. And um, I'm going to start right in the middle of the story because otherwise I'd be reading pages and pages to you. Um, but this is the moment just after Jesus had been beaten up. 
and had been tortured and had been mocked and uh, his clothes torn off him and a, a mocking robe put on him and they led him out to crucify him. Verse 21 on, verse, on chapter 15. And a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry the cross and they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. But he didn't take it. It was a sedative. But he didn't take anything to calm or dull the pain. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The king of the Jews... They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right, one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. And in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. What a picture. That Jesus is there on the cross and you've got everybody mocking him. And you've got the, the people in authority mocking him. And you've got a person on your right and a person on your left heaping insults on you. And there is Jesus dying for the world. For him for him, for them, for us. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, and at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which is Psalm 22. When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. And with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. When he saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. And then I'm turning to Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. The scroll that would bring about the new heaven and the new earth, the scroll that would bring about the glory of God, the scroll that would bring about the redemption of the whole universe. No one was worthy to open it. Verse 4, I went and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep, see. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, 
standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, and the Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, and each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. And they will reign on the earth. And then I heard, looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000, 100 million angels. And they encircled the throne, the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. This Jesus, who was, who was beaten, and who was tortured, and who was divided, and who was broken, and who was mocked, and who was insulted, was the only one who could carry the cross for you and for me. And I believe, and it's not in the Bible, it's not in scriptures, but I believe that as he journeyed towards the hill and he went through people, as he was going through, I believe the glory of God was present. I believe that people, as he passed, something happened inside. I don't know if you've ever been in the glory of God and the presence of God. I have. I would say on three or four occasions. I mean, there's times in worship where you're really touching glory. But I can remember occasions where you're just in the glory of God and you can't stand up in it. And you know that something's happening. You don't even know what, but you come away from it healed. And you come away from it knowing that. And I believe that something was happening in those people. As he was on that cross, as he was broken and he's most vulnerable, I believe that as his body was more and more broken, his glory was increasing more and more. More and more and more. What is God saying to you? Because for some people, they feel that they can't carry the glory of God or step into the glory of God or come near the glory of God or the glory of God can't come near them until they're completely healed, until they're restored, until they are powerful, until they are Filled until something powerful has happened in their life uh, to do with God, that he's restored them in a powerful, powerful way. And God is saying that even in your brokenness, my glory can flow to you and through you. My glory is there for you. Even as you are driving away from your youngest daughter, crying... My glory somehow becomes even more manifest. 
in your brokenness, in your heartache, in your struggles with yourself and with others, in those moments that Ruth talked about when there's people next to you and you're just carrying their burden and you just pray that they would turn to Jesus and they just something stops them. You pray that they would do something different, that it would be different. In those moments of heartache, you know, God responds, doesn't he? God responds. And on that cross, in one of the Gospels, it tells us that Jesus on the cross, and they were mocking him and they were insulting him, and he says this, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And his glory, we sang that amazing song, Speak the Name of Jesus. As we look to Jesus, as we carry our crosses in our brokenness, before we are completely healed and restored, God's glory can and will fall, can and will fall in your life and in my life. And we will see amazing things. As Chris talked there about the magic bullet, we will see God targeting his glory, targeting his glory. And yet it's great to have the glory of God fall, and we've heard about that in so many revivals of the, of the glory of God falling and people just repenting and nobody's even preached to them. And, and that, that's amazing. But I believe that God is going to target his glory over these next few months. We're going to see this happening. He's going to target his glory into our lives. And we just need to simply come before him, not with our plans, with our ideas, as, as wonderful as they might be. I'm not saying we don't plan and we don't have ideas. But God wants us to just simply allow his glory to move. And it will move in a targeted way. In those situations we're thinking about, whatever, whatever they may be, whoever they may be about, might be about us, it might be somebody that's really dear to us, or close to us. It might be something insurmountable. Lord, target your glory. We ask nothing more than you would target your glory. And so, Lord, we don't come to you as perfect people. We don't come before you as people who have got it sorted. We don't come before you as strong people who are not tearful at times. And one of the lies of the enemy is that men don't cry. You know, I think we've got over that now. I hope we've got over that. I hope we've got over that now. But I still find it in my school. I still have children, boys that come to me and their dads have said to them, don't cry. Tough men don't cry. Rubbish. Absolute lie from hell. And that's why so many families are messed up because the dads are not crying enough <laughs> for their children. They don't show their emotions. They can't speak about their emotions. Lord, break that in the name of Jesus Christ. And set, set us free. And, you know, I'm one of the, not one of the, I'm not going to call myself one of the worst, but I've been like that. And that's been said to me and and it takes you a long time to get through that, to think it's not okay to be, it's okay to be emotional. And um, because God responds to that, because Jesus was. So Lord, I want to just pray right now as we come before this table, Lord Jesus. We want to thank you that in, as we are, in our half-heartedness, in our mistakes that we've made, in the things that we're not proud of, in our heartaches, in our heartbreaks, in our things that still need healing, we come to you, Lord. 
in our moments, and we ask, Lord, that your glory would fall, Lord God. And as we come to this table right now, we carry with us, as Ruth said before, we carry with us those that we love who may not be here yet, but they are on a journey, Lord. And we are holding them. They may not know it, but we are holding them in our prayers and in our hearts. And you're on the other side of us, and we look to you, Lord Jesus, right now. You who carried that cross, you who face the mocking. We place ourselves in the place of blessing, Lord God. Not because we say we are worthy of blessing, but because we say that you just are our daddy, our father, who loves to bless us. You would walk a thousand miles and more for every single person in this room. And so I want to honor that this morning by coming to your table and receiving your love. Your love for me. I know I'm not perfect by a long, long way. But Lord, I thank you that you cover that with your blood. And you cover that with your love. And you say, do you know what, Mike? Just come to me anyway. And receive my love this morning. My love for you, my love for those situations you're carrying. So we're going to ask Simone, if she doesn't mind coming to continue to lead us in, in worship this morning. And we're going to... Um, we're going to just put the table over here and we're going to invite you to come out if you feel able to, if you'd like to. If you're here for the first time, that's okay, you can still come. If you've not yet given your life to Jesus as a church, we still say you can come to the table because it was for the whole world that he died, if you want to. Um, equally, if you don't, that's absolutely fine. You're still loved by Jesus, loved by God. And we're going to invite you to come. And as you come this morning, carry with you those things that you just want to lay at the foot of Jesus and say, Lord, help me with this. Help me with this, Lord. This is both a celebration and an intercession, a time of celebration and a time of intercession this morning, that God would target his glory and begin to speak more and more to us about his glory and what his glory is all about. And if anybody does want prayer, then you know, feel free to come out or turn to the person next to you, have a chat with one of us afterwards.